Hey, I'm Angela Lucier, a professional public speaker, seven-time author, two-time TEDx speaker, and CEO and founder of the Speaker Sisterhood, a network of public speaking clubs for women. And I'm Dr. Jolie Hamilton, a research psychologist, best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and ASEX certified sex educator. Together, we're the hosts of Claim the Stage, a podcast about speaking and sisterhood. If you've been a fan, you know I've been doing this show solo, and it's been all about public speaking for years. Well, that all changes now. Well, you're still talking about speaking on stage, but now we're also going to focus on the three things that you need to make an impact, your voice, confidence, and sisterhood. The show is a training ground to go from dreaming to creating. Right. And we'll still be doing interviews with expert guests. Plus, you'll also get more personal stories and insights from us as well. I'm really excited to see where this goes. Me too. And slightly freaked out. Yeah, me too. Welcome to the next chapter of Claim the Stage. Hey, Jolie. Hey, Ant. How are you? I made up a song this morning while I was... uh, planting some wildflowers about Excellent. you and the song is Jolie Jolie Ravioli loves to ride on the cannoli. <laughs> I, I love that because ravioli is amazing. And I then to follow it up with the cannoli. Yeah. The best meal. Okay. Now you have to, we have to go to Rome. <laughs> I want to go to Rome. I want the ravioli. I want the cannoli, the whole thing. It's, that that's that it. was my way of asking you if you wanted to go on vacation with me. Yeah, <laughs> this is it. It's like, I feel like I've been vacation proposaled. I'm in. <laughs> I'll make the t-shirts that will just it. say that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then like the cannoli and cannoli could be on like the, on the back mm-hmm. could be like on the front with the jolie and the ravioli. And then the cannoli could be the follow-up on the back of the t-shirt. Yeah. It's like the mullet, like the business in the front is the ravioli and the parties in the back. Yes. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, today we have an episode that while super informative and helpful, doesn't really reach the level of intensity that we're used to on the show lately. <laughs> I have been bringing you into the, like, let's go see what's over in that corner. And you're so cooperative. You're like, okay, let's go. What do we got here? Oh, unexamined internalized racism. Excellent. You know, yeah. I just bring my blankie. It's all good. Uh, Although today's episode, this is a subject that makes me sweat because it is about vulnerability. Really, at the end of the day, I've noticed that my email marketing, when I really put it out there in my, my writing, I do hesitate to hit send. And I do fear what people are going to think when they read that. But here's what I've learned every single time that I'm sweating, when I hit send on those messages, I get amazing responses. And the times when I'm not sweating, when I send a newsletter, nobody really cares. (laughs) I mean, maybe they care, but I don't get much of a response. And so that's been an interesting, uh, practice for me to notice, okay, this is hard to say, but I know it's helpful and there is value here. And then the responses really, um, validate that. I totally get that. That makes complete sense. I, when I was putting together the manuscript for my book at first, it was very informative, but it didn't have the self-disclosure piece. And it didn't have that, that, that thing that you need so that people know that they're talking to a human, a real person who's been there. And I was on, um, I was on a website, uh, group list. And just two days ago, somebody posted the scariest button. It was that like a screenshot of the send button on their email. So I think you're right. We all go through that. And 
I have gone through it so much that I have an email list that I literally do not use. Mm -hmm. I, I don't use it. And I think one, I mean, there are a million things in business, but I think our guest today makes a really good case for the fact that it can't be ignored if we want the results out of our business. And yeah. so I feel like I got the kick in the pants that I needed to like, okay, time to be bold in this place and strategic. She also offered some really great ideas about how to be on point for your audience, mm -hmm. how to, how to meet them where they are and make sure it's, it's the right fit. Yeah, absolutely. So not just, not just I templating the world. Yeah. That is one of the biggest takeaways from this conversation is that there is no one size fits all solution for email marketing, almost the same way that there's no one size fits all speech for every audience. You have to be thinking about who you're talking to and what's important to them. And, you know, I've said probably a hundred times on this podcast over the last five years that you have to know your audience and you have to be creating content that speaks to them. And so when, when I've, interviewed people on the show about storytelling. And we've talked all about how to craft a message that is personal and also connects with your overall kind of goal of the talk. You, that's when you really get something that's impactful and, and, and makes a difference. So while we've said that so much over and over again on the show about speaking, it really, really applies to your writing too. And I know a lot of people feel like I'm not a writer and they struggle with what to say. But if you, if you approach email marketing from the way our guest talks about it today, I think it can help remove a lot of the fear around selling in an email around having to appear a certain way, because it's so much more about who you're talking to than um, putting the focus on yourself, you know? Right. Yeah. That's such a relaxing point of view. And it's actually what helps me go out onto the limb with my clients. I go out on the limb because it's entirely about their experience. It's not about me. And when we're in service to other people, it's so easy, or at least I have found it to be really easy to be courageous. Yeah. Like, it's about them. So yeah. go there, do it. And mm -hmm. I think too, she gave some great ideas about how to, um, well, we can manage risk through segmentation. I mean, like I can't think of a more boring word but we can manage risk and we can learn through this really boring word that accomplishes something that also can let us take a chance, try something out, go yeah. there. Yeah. Awesome. <sighs> well, before we jump into the interview, I know that you have a, an announcement to make because you've had a breakthrough and yes. I want to hear about it because um, who doesn't love a breakthrough? <laughs> and then I had another breakthrough since <laughs> the last breakthrough I talked to you about. Okay. So let's hear it. Here it is. So I am finally ready to take some of my work and really, um, and really develop it into something that can help more people at once, which also makes it more affordable, which is great. Um, so I am finally launching my group coaching for entrepreneurial women in relationships that are just okay. And they want them to be amazing. Um, and these, this group is designed specifically to be a place where you can learn skills and also un like understand how relating works differently than what you were raised with, what, what, like the imagination you have with it already. I'm really excited about it because it's, it's a compact format. It's not like just dragging yourself through the mud forever. And you get to actually interact with other women who have been there, but in a structured format. So it's not just talking with your girlfriends and like, okay, we vented. 
yeah, what do you do after the venting, yeah. right? So I am a classroom teacher as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm used to making this, this experience of gaining skills, something that is actually fun, right? Because otherwise college students are not going to stay with you. Um, but mostly I'm just excited to be working with women to actually make the changes that they want to see so that they can get from okay to awesome at home. It's, and without like dragging themselves through something they don't want to do. So it. it's, yeah. So I'm going to enroll the first cohort, um, starting June 28th. So if people want to find out more, you can go to my website, um, joliehamilton.com, J O L I Hamilton, like the musical, and you can click on the button there and we'll jump on a discovery call. So you learn exactly what we're going to be doing and it's no pressure, but I, I love talking to people about this work and seeing where the fit is for people. Okay. And I'm going to tag on one more thing. I also finally have a breakthrough on my jealousy work and packaging that in a way that people can consume it. So we haven't talked about that before. You and I are going to talk about it soon because I have a whole idea, but there's more coming. I like the information is finally going to hit the actual world. That's awesome. Yay. Congratulations. Yay. I like talking about this, these kinds of updates on this show because it's kind of cool to just show people that this process is always ongoing. And as creators and business owners, there's always opportunities to continue to find new offerings, new ideas, new experiments. and that it's okay to just not know what's next until all of a sudden one day you're like, that's what's next. And then exactly, continue. exactly. And I was inspired by watching you pivot this year. You, you jumped in, you created some stuff, then you found it wasn't fueling you. So you pivoted. And I have been sitting on some of this information and it's been in book form, but I've had people ask me like, so how do I work with you one-on-one? -on -one? And some people aren't a good fit for one-on-one -on -one work. They just, that that's not the right match for them. So that's it. I was like, oh, just pivot. Just try this out. Do this now. Yeah. And I think the summer is a great time to try something new. It can kind of feel like, I mean, for me and for other people, this is a time when we can just go out on a limb and like, let's, let's try this out, see what happens. And I, if I'm correct, and I think I am, this summer in particular is going to feel like a real rebirth for people. Yeah. We're rejoining the world. We're trying to figure out what the new normal is, whatever yeah. the heck that means. I love that word rebirth. It, yeah. I really feel like this is, this is a, I've been having a real experience of like, oh, I've been in the cocoon. I definitely liquefied. <laughs> gross, gross, gross. I know it's so gross. I'm all, I did all the goo stuff. And now, My bones have melted. Yeah. And now it's time to actually get out there. I didn't dry the wings off a little bit first. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe lick those off. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Totally gross. Awesome. So Jolie's licking the goo off of herself. She's coming out on a new. So I'm a sex educator. So say that sentence again. And it sounds even creepier. Don't make nice. me blush. I, I, that, this is one of the reasons why this podcast should have a video element so everyone can see how often I make my face turns bright red. That would be a good, especially with your beautiful background now, it really, it highlights and accentuates the blushing. Right. But then um, I would want to keep, I would want a scoreboard. So mm -hmm. How many times have I made Angela blush? Not hard to do. Check. Check. 
Um, all right. Well, um, thanks for that update. I'm excited to hear more about where you go. And also someone had emailed me a couple of weeks ago asking if we're going to bring our retreat Rella back when things yes. open back up. And the answer is a huge yes. Yes. That's absolutely happening. We don't have a date yet, but just wanted to let everyone know because we did talk about it like a year ago. Yeah, we were <laughs> so excited. Yeah. We were, and, and then we we're like, well, we'll just put it off a little bit, but yeah, a little turned into a lot. Yeah. I am so excited. And I'm actually in a wonderful place to take that step now. I'm so excited for it. In a way, I feel like it was good for us to have a little more time to really think through what that would look like. And, and for our friendship to develop so that we can collaborate with a smoothness yeah. that right now I feel really excited about that. And it's easeful yeah. before I felt excited about it and it was edgy. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's easy. Totally. Great. Well, I'll just share a little bit more information about today's guest, and then we'll jump into the interview. Uh, Jenna Bagley is the advocate manager for AWeber, a leading email service provider and the very first autoresponder. She works closely with content creators, podcasters, social media strategists and enthusiasts, coaches, entrepreneurs, and more. Through email marketing, you can connect with your audience and drive them back to your podcast, blog, website, or social platforms over and over again, keeping you top of mind. Having worked in several different industries over her career, including restaurant, bridal, real estate, recruiting, direct sales, and SaaS, Jenna has acquired a wealth of knowledge about sales, marketing, and what it really means to build a relationship with your target audience. And at the end of the episode, she does offer a free gift, which is a huge, a huge value. It's awesome. I downloaded it myself. Oh, super excited. Yeah, I totally loved it. Is it 45 templates? It's, yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. It's so much information. It's, it's info packed and very actionable. Yeah. So everyone go to the show notes. The link is there to get your free gift from Jenna. I think you'll be really impressed with the amount of value you get from that. So with that, I leave you with our interview with Jenna Bagley. Enjoy. All right. Our guest today is Jenna Bagley. Jenna, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Today, we're talking about a subject that doesn't quite make me sweat to the level that I've been sweating all year, thanks to Jolie. Uh, and <laughs> although I do still sweat, because we're talking about email marketing and writing newsletters to your marketing list and your, your audience and how to be effective in doing that. And I've probably written four or 500 email newsletters, and I still feel sweaty every time I'm about to hit the send button. It never gets easier for me. So I'm hoping that today, Jenna, you can share some tips and tricks with us and also just maybe make the uh, the whole process a little easier. And you're, you work for AWeber and your role there is advocate manager. And when I learned about that, I wondered what exactly does that mean? Because that's not a title that you see every day. It's not. No. Yeah. So I work for AWeber. Um, we're one of the platforms that you would do your email marketing from and um, I wear a, a couple different hats at AWeber, but my main title is advocate manager. And I basically um, run our customer referral program. So I work with partners, um, coaches, podcasters, creators, uh, you know, entrepreneurs of all kind who want to promote email marketing and, and specifically AWeber to their audiences. And I help uh, set them up for success, basically. So um, it's a really amazing job because my job is all about helping other people be successful, which is something that I'm super passionate about. But then the other part of it, uh, like today, um, I'm here to educate people. I'm also an email marketing success coach. 
So I do tons of trainings and workshops and podcast interviews and uh, talks all around the the internet uh, about email marketing and and trying to get people not be scared of sending emails and also um, how to really kind of get launched into a, an email strategy. So I have an amazing job, super fulfilling, and uh, I, I could talk about that all day long, but um, I want to make sure that we get to kind of the meat of the conversation and answer the questions that you have today. Yeah, that that sounds like a really fun job. So I'm glad that yeah. I asked that question because it, it's a, this sounds like every day you just get to have fun and be creative and solve problems and we're, we're, yeah, we're here I'm, for that. I'm talking to people all day, every day, yeah. usually about email marketing, sometimes about life um, and and business, but uh, you know, I I try to find out like who's your target audience and what what's your messaging and what problems do you solve and how does Aweber kind of fit into that to give you know a, a comprehensive solution to like their members or their community. So it every day is completely different and I absolutely love it. Yeah, and those questions that you're asking are the same questions that I'm always asking my my students and clients and speaker sisterhood members, who's in your audience and what problem are you solving for them? And we talk about that a lot on this podcast because we're always talking about how to be effective and valuable to your audience, but then also how to use your authentic voice when you're speaking mm-hmm. and trying to connect. So, I'm wondering if we can start there when it comes to writing and using mm-hmm. an authentic voice for writing. Is there anything that you tell people so that they can come across as themselves in their writing versus trying to be like a salesperson or sell something, <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, I love how you phrase that because that that's exactly what we tell people is that, you know, when someone subscribes to your email list, they're not looking for a salesperson, right? They're looking to make a connection. They're looking for an authority or someone to help them like save time or make their life better in some way or some sort of transformation. And um, one of the things that we we see, and listen, no one starts out as an email expert, right? We all start somewhere, but I've even made this mistake where you're writing your email and you're like, hey everybody. And you, you know, kind of go into your thing. And it's so important, especially when when finding that authentic voice is, is making sure when you're writing your email, you're writing to one person and one person in mind. And I spend a lot of time with people, you know, figuring out, cause a lot of people believe it or not skip the step where they don't know who their, their target reader is or who, who they're looking to attract. They know they have a product or service, but they don't know exactly who they're speaking to. And so I spend a lot of time saying like, who is that person? What challenges do they have? What are their interests? What's their name? Like, what's their job? How many kids do they have? Do they have kids? And really kind of dial in like who that person is. And then when you're writing your email, you're writing to that one person. And so you, you know, personalization is a a huge thing in email, whether it's using their name, uh, you know, in the, in the greeting or whether you're just purely sending information that's relevant to them as, as that one person. And so, you know, instead of writing to like a stadium full of people, right? Like, Hey, 10,000 people on my list. It's a great day. Like, no, you want to make sure you're writing it as if it's going from you to one other person. So that's definitely key. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being yourself. Um, I think one of the, the impacts of email is it's a little bit more intimate of a communication form than like say social media, which is so, um, public, right. It's great for awareness and discovery, but 
in order to create a relationship, you kind of have to take that, you know, offline of social media, so to speak, and into your email. And I like to call it a journey, like in your email journey and you're building those relationships. And so you want to be yourself and you want to be the same person you are in email as you are in person, as you are in business, because that's going to be a lot more relatable. And, and you want the reader to, to be able to see themselves in your email. And, um, so, you know, being authentic, avoiding jargon, right? Like no one likes like marketing jargon or, or lingo that they don't understand. And that's something that here at Aweber, we're always so conscious of is like, does our, our audience understand this word? Like we get it, we know what it means, but did they? And so, you know, trying to use like everyday terminology is super important and, and just like being a human being, right? Cause people want to do business with other humans. They don't want to do business with this big, huge company or a brand. They want like that personal connection. And I think we're all craving connection even more after the year that we've all had. And so just being yourself and, and writing the way that you speak is, is really the key and making it more conversational. It should be casual and upbeat and uplifting. Um, and so, you know, just, just be yourself. That's, that's really the best advice in terms of, of that authentic voice. I found that I get the best results on the newsletters where I tell a vulnerable story about myself versus the ones that are just like announcing a webinar and here's the link. And mm -hmm. to, and so I've definitely, I can validate everything you're saying from my experience. And I'm wondering if you have any tips around when you're going to tell a personal story, how personal should the story be? And is there any guideline around what to say and what not to say? Yeah. I mean, personal stories are definitely uh, a, a great way to make those connections. And, um, you know, like I said, people want to feel that, that like, I can see myself in, in what you're saying. And, and it doesn't even have to be personal stories about yourself. It can be personal stories about other members or other customers or other people, um, that your business, you know, touches. And, you know, what I I've found is, is the best way is really to draw them in with maybe like a couple, you know, maybe three to four sentences, and then, you know, maybe link them to a blog. If you have a blog, um, for, for like more in depth, you don't want them to keep like scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. You don't want to write a novel in your email, um, because people will just, they'll get tired of scrolling, but, um, yeah, I mean, keep it short, keep it relevant. Um, and always think like, cause here's the thing, your readers, your email subscribers, they care more about themselves than they care about you. Right. And, and that's not mean, that's just how we all are. We, we love ourselves. Right. But as the, the writer of the email, you need to always make sure that the email, um, has your reader always at top of mind because what they're going to do when they read the email, they're going to say like, great, like what's in it for me? Like, great. How does this affect me? Like, um, so always keeping them at the, you know, the forefront of, of what you're writing. I love that because when you're sharing something vulnerable, like you said, and they, um, vulnerability can be overdone. We've talked about this mm -hmm. on stage you, like, you can go too far where you're sharing that authenticity and it is true. 
but you're sharing it for your reasons. Mm -hmm. You're sharing it to get something yourself rather than for your customer. It feels like finding that line is, is the trick. Is there, is there like a, a, a guideline to knowing like, is there, or is this something you just develop from falling on your face a few times in email? Yeah. There's definitely no like one size fits all strategy. That's for sure. Just like all of our businesses are so different. All of our, you know, even the, the topics that we speak about on stage are all, also different. We have different ideal customers and audiences. It, the same goes for, for guidelines. Like you, you really need to um, test things out and see what resonates. And what's great about email is that you have, you know, all of the reporting and metrics to kind of back you up to let you know, well, did, did that work? Was that successful? Did that flop? And so we always recommend testing and tweaking and an email really is a skill, just like anything else. Like, you know, we, we don't like pop out and like, we're public speakers and we're like, <laughs> you know, amazing and articulate and, and there there's definitely practice and, you know, you're always, um, iterating and, and testing and things. It's the same way with email. Um, so you really need to see what your ideal audience are, you know, what they're going to be attracted to. And so well, we can set you know, our own guidelines then. Like, it, like through that process, you know, really, yeah. it sounds like I'm almost hearing a sort of scientific methodology to like, here, let's, let's test this, let's tweak it and then decide what your, your brand, your people need, what they are, right. what they're responding to. Because what I love is just having, I love the idea of documenting that for myself because one of my big struggles is when I come back to emailing, often I've taken a break. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not I'm not good with my list. So I, I need to have a guideline in place so I can pick up where I left off when life has inevitably happened. I know it's not ideal for life to have happened, but right. oddly enough, no, there but it, is. it happens to all of us. And, you know, you, you kind of made me think of two things. First, um, you know, knowing what resonates with your audience and letting data kind of drive that. Like, for example, I send out two newsletters a month to our AWeber advocates. And I know that when I send a message that has a video in it, I know that that click-through rate is going to be so much higher than, than emails I send without videos. And so I know like, all right, I'm going to send a video in this email. You know, if I have a message that I really want them to hear, I'm going to put like a quick two minute video in it because I know that my audience likes that. And that's based on not just a feeling it's based on you know, months of data of me testing. Do they like a video? Do they not like a video? And seeing those click-through rates. And then the, the second thing that you said with kind of like picking up and dropping off of your email list, you know, we've all been there and we've all done that. Um, so, you know, give yourself some grace. And I would say when you do pick it up, like this is a great opportunity to be authentic, to be vulnerable and be like, Hey, I know it's been a hot minute since you've gotten an email from me, but here's like all of the things that's been going on that are going to help you. Right. Or like, maybe you've struggled with X, Y, Z, turn it into a personal story. That's relevant to what your audience may be going through. So, you know, that's a great example of kind of bringing in those personal stories and, and, you know, like I said, people want to do business with humans. They want to work with other humans. We're all you know, struggling from time to time where we've all dropped the, the ball at some point in our lives, right. In our careers. So I think people will, will connect with that. So I always say like, 
you know, call, call yourself out and say, yeah, I haven't emailed you in a while and here's why, but I'm going to make a, a, a point to be consistent with you because I want to consistently bring you value and help you guys with whatever you're struggling with. Um, so when you turn it back onto them and how, what you've learned from, you know, the interim, how that's going to help them and how you're going to help them avoid those same mistakes in their life. I have three questions that maybe <laughs> don't have a universal answer, but I'm going to try them anyway, because I've okay. read different things about them around the web. Mm -hmm. And if I can remember all three questions, by the time we get to the third one, I'll be very proud of my mom brain. So the first one is what is the, um, what's a good open rate? Okay. considered that good. Yeah. So again, no one size fits all, but what we see, um, across all different industries is about 20 to 22%. Um, certainly you could have much higher depending on how consistent you are in the relationship you've built with your list. Um, but if you, if you're below 10%, then there really needs to, you need, need to tweak something. Maybe it's sending to just your engaged, uh, subscribers, the one that are always opening your emails. Um, and you can certainly see open rates much, much higher. We typically see a welcome email, which is that email that's automated that goes out as soon as someone subscribes. We, we've seen open rates as high as, you know, in the nineties. Um, so it depends on, you know, the types of emails, uh, your, your subject line, um, segmenting is really important. I always get like, what's the best way to increase open rates? And that's through segmenting, which is basically just sending different relevant messages to subsets of your list. So um, once you do that, like you'll start to see your, your um, open rate skyrocket because when they see things that they care about, they're going to be much more likely to, to open that message. Cause they're like, Oh yeah, this is all about me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, but 22% is about, you know, average, which is a, a good kind of baseline to, to mark yourself against. Okay. And the second question is what's a, a target for a number of emails to send say in a month, if it's not like you're launching a product, but you're just trying to keep in touch. Sure. Yeah. So, um, I've seen people do daily. I don't think you need to do that. Um, weekly, I think is a good cadence that can be manageable, um, depending on your bandwidth, you know, maybe it's once every other week, but I wouldn't go less than once a month because part of email marketing is allowing you to stay top of mind with your audience and making sure that you're always popping into their inbox and, and they remember you. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I would try to shoot for weekly, bi-weekly would be what I recommend, but just staying consistent is really so much more important. And really, you know, if I'm going to back up a step, setting the expectations from the start is, is really what's going to dictate that. Like if I'm signing up for an email list and it says, I'm going to send you an email every two weeks, right? Okay. All right. I can do that. Every two weeks, you're going to email me. But then if you start emailing me every day, I'm going to be like, whoa, like that's way too much commitment. Like I didn't sign up for that. Like I wasn't expecting that. Like I'm going to unsubscribe because, you know, you're coming on a little strong. Yeah. But on the, you know, flip side, like if you say every week, you're going to get this amazing email with so much value and tips and tricks, and you're never going to want to miss it. And then you're only emailing me once a month. I'm going to be like, 
okay, well, they're not taking this seriously. They, they promised me, you know, once a week and they're not delivering. So if they can't get an email out to me, like what's like the rest of their business look like. Yeah. So, so my advice is pick something that you have the bandwidth for also, depending on how much content you have to share, we don't want to send redundant messaging at all. Everything should have a purpose, right? So depending on how much content you have to share, that's really what's going to dictate your cadence, then tell them about it and then stick to it. I love that. All right. And the third question, so proud of myself for remembering this, uh, title, not, not title, but subject line. Mm -hmm. Do you have any tips around how to create a good subject line and maybe how many words are optimal or that you shouldn't go over? Yeah, this is a great question. I get all the time and, and with subject lines, you know, this is another thing that you can kind of test and, and see what resonates with your audience. Like what are they opening it more? Um, I would say you want to use a good mix of, you know, maybe one week it's a question, maybe one week it's a statement, maybe one week it has an emoji. Like you don't want to always do all the things all the time. And maybe you, you split your, your list up where half of them get a question, half of them get a statement and you see which one uh, resonated more and then start doing more of that. But really my best advice is direct, concise, to the point, relevant, um, try not to get like super clever. Um, you want to make sure that, uh, someone that sees that headline or that subject line that when they open the email, it's going to match. Like you don't want clickbaity kind of stuff. And that's where I'm saying, like, don't be so clever. Um, just really direct into the point makes, the most sense and, and will help you get the best open rates. But something that I see a lot of people not do that I'm a big proponent of is making sure that you use your pre-header or your preview text. And, and most e ESPs or email service providers have a, a preview section where you can put in additional text. And this is like a second opportunity for a subject line. So we've all seen this in our inbox. If we, if we open our email, we have right the subject line and then underneath is, is other text. And that is um, great because most people are opening on mobile. So they're going to see like maybe let's say five to six words. If maybe you have a lot to say, you know, I'm pretty wordy. I'm always cutting my emails, like editing them, like from here to like here, because there's so much I want to share. So I always find that people struggle with subject lines because it's hard to like summarize your email in five words, right? So using that preview text or that pre-header text, putting a second subject line, maybe it has a call to action. Like for example, the, the newsletters that I send with the video in the pre-header text, I put, uh, watch this two minute video for tips and tricks to help you succeed. And that's a call to action. And it's letting them know what to expect once they open the email. And so really that's what it is. Just like when they sign up, setting those expectations of like frequency, your subject line, your pre-header text should set the expectations of what they should get when they open the email. Mm -hmm. Jolie, do you have any questions? I feel like I'm just well, running this whole interview. No, so, no, so I, I'm, I'm taking notes and I'm thinking about this because I have... I have held back from really using my email list at all with this iteration of my business. So I relaunched, um, I'm a relationship coach and I relaunched a year ago, right at the beginning of the pandemic. And 
I've held off. And you said something that I think is really powerful. You said to be authentic, which, you know, we hear that word so much, it feels almost meaningless, but something about the way you said it reminded me of what that actually means. I heard in there, like, we need to be truthful. We need to actually be, because that's about setting expectations too, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, there's a reason to be authentic and it's because it's easier to be consistent. And if I'm hearing you correctly, it sounds like we have, we need to balance consistency of what we're showing up with, when we're showing up with it and how we're showing up with it. And I'm now thinking about how email could be the thing that sets the tone for so much else of your business. I think I generally have thought of socials as doing that, but, um, but emails give you a little bit more, you get a little more leg room. So I could see that serving that purpose. Do you find that people, um, do people shy away from email because we somehow think that it's, I don't know, are we just paying attention to social media so much and we forget? Cause that's what I feel like I've been doing. Social media is in my face. My email isn't necessarily in my face. So I don't know that I've paid attention to it is. Yeah. I mean, I hear from a lot of people that, you know, they're overwhelmed or they're intimidated or they don't understand, or they don't know what to do. Or, you know, a lot of times it's like, Oh, I don't want to add another thing to my, to my list of things that I have to get done. And um, yeah, social, you know, I said it earlier, it's great for discoverability. It's great for awareness. Like, but here's the difference between social media and email marketing, at least in my mind, social media, people know about you. They, they may even know like what you do, you know, maybe, maybe they even engage with you. Right. So they know about you, they know you exist, but you're still like, there's still kind of like a, a wall. And plus it's very public. Um, so that that's social, but email, whereas social, they know about you email is the opportunity where, where they can feel like they know you, right. And knowing about you and knowing you are two different things. And so think of it like a relationship you meet, let's say you meet at the bar and that's social media, and then you exchange numbers or you exchange, you know, they sign up for your email address or email list. Right. And then you're going to email them a welcome. And that's kind of like that first impression. Like, you know, I want them to like me. I want to let them know like why I'm a a good catch. And then, you know, it, it can just like relationship can strengthen deepen through the email newsletter, even your sequences. And so that's the difference. Really. You get to know someone because there's a lot more characters that you can put in email. You can get a lot more in depth, maybe things that you wouldn't share on social. You can share in email. Plus really you want people to reply back to your email. That's really the goal. We want people to open. We want people to click. We want them to engage. And the best way to engage is getting them to respond to you. And people may share things with you through an email that they wouldn't share with you on social and and you the same. So it's just another way to, to take a relationship that maybe the connection started on social, but now you're turning them into an email subscriber, into a client, into like a raving fan of yours, where they're going to tell everybody they know about you. And that's really the power of email that maybe social doesn't always get to all the way. Yeah. There is something very personal about Mm -hmm. replying. I know myself when I have signed up for somebody's list and then 
they say something that makes me actually reply, even though I know that this was a list. Mm -hmm. When I reply, I do feel more bought in. I autom yeah. automatically, like right there, I have leveled up the relationship and now I'm waiting to see, do they too? And I have to say, I think lately, I think maybe two or three times is all when I've responded, even though they asked me to, did they then respond? That feels mm -hmm. like a key element. Is that, am I spot on here? Yeah, absolutely. You, you, if someone's replying to your email, like that's like, they're opening the door, right? Like, and that's your opportunity to run through it and, and get to know them, figure out what their challenges are and how you are the best person to solve that for them. So yeah, if, if someone's replying, then you need to run with that for sure. It's so funny. Cause I hear that about like, they're in your DMs now sell. I'm like, how no. come when I've opened my email door, people have not offered me an interest. That's fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of the, some of the things that you really need to avoid, especially when we talk about like that authentic voice is you don't want to start selling right away in your emails because like, here's the thing, like how would we act in real life? And how you would act in real life and real life, I feel like is a subjective term nowadays, but how would you act in real life? If I walked up to you on the street, like I wouldn't be like, Hey, Angela, I'm Jenna. Want to sign up for an Aweber account? Like, no, that's silly. Like no one really should do that if they are, but no one does that. Right. We meet someone, you know, there's introductions, there's small talk, there's, you know, you're asking questions about each other. Like um, people, like I said, like they don't want another salesperson. People hate salespeople. I've been a salesperson my entire like adult career. And I'll tell you what, people don't like salespeople. They don't want to feel like they're being sold to. Um, but what you can do in email is, um, by not selling right away, you are setting yourself up as like more of an authority. You're proving your worth, right. In, in the fact that like you have the solution that they need and by telling stories and by giving value and by um, showing that you care about them, by time you even do offer something to them, like they're going to be like, of course, I'm going to buy. Of course, I, I need this from you. Like there's no other option in my mind. And because you've done such a great job along the way of, you know, proving that, you know, your emails, first of all, are worth opening and then eventually, you know, buying, booking you, whatever. Um, so yeah, definitely don't sell right away. It's all about relationship building and, uh, not to say that you can't sell in your email because right. Well, you know, we all want to make money somehow. So I would just say like, make sure that you're keeping it like 80% value and helping and then 20% asking for a sale. Um, yeah, it, it's always, it should always be like, give, 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 and then ask. Yeah. Um, is, I have a really question. My yeah. When it comes to selling in an email, is there a, a call to action button that is more effective than another? Cause there's like, buy now register here, click here for more information. Is this another one of those questions that is really audience dependent or is there one that you feel like, Oh, this one based on our research works really well. Yeah. I would say, you know, based on our research that, um, <laughs> cause we have researched it. Um, we see a lot more success when we use like first person language. So, um, you know, uh, let me give you an example, like, uh, give me the course now, or, um, I want to sign up or, you know, making it. So when they're reading it, they're again, thinking about them. They're not thinking about you because 
they're they're their own hero, right? Like they they have a problem. It's all about them. And so when you use first person language and they're reading it, they're reading it as if they're saying it, right? Like, yes, I want this. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would definitely suggest that making sure it's always an action. Sometimes I see people put call to action buttons. There's no action. Um, it'll say website, podcast, um, blog. Well, those aren't action. There's nothing about like, there's no action word in that. So making sure that you have something compelling, um, add excitement, put an exclamation point. I'm all about it. Um, but yeah, making sure that they're, they're feeling, um, or seeing themselves as they're reading the words. Okay. Julie, any last questions before we wrap up? You know, when you said that put the action first, it made me think, are there some action words that we're just done with? Like we're just sick of, because I was thinking about how in email, it feels like Mm -hmm. lately there's been a, um, I don't know, like it feels like people are getting more creative and maybe there's some old stuff that's just out. Is there anything that you put into the pile of like, we're done with that. It's just played out. Or is it really still totally audience specific? And if it works for your audience, it works for your audience. Cause I think I, I'm still trying to think of like fresh and new, but maybe there's tried and true is still okay. I can't decide. Yeah. I mean, again, I would probably test it and see, you know, you could have uh, one email with one call to action, another with a, a second option. I think it's really going to depend on your audience at the end of the day. Um, you know, if you have an audience that are, you know, young millennials, what you're going to do may be completely different than what you would do for baby boomers or Gen Xers. So, um, I, I think it really depends. It's something that you need to test. And, and I can't, you know, there, there's a lot of buzzwords that I feel like have been overused. Um, you know, but I, I, nothing's really coming to mind. I would say just, just test it. You know, your audience better than anybody else. Um, so just see, you know, use the, use the words that they use. I think that's really a a, a good tip is that you want to use their language as much as possible. Um, you know, we talked about the jargon and stuff, but like, what do, what do people call things? Like, uh, for us at a Weber, like we call newsletters broadcasts, but most people like most everyday people would not never think like, oh, it's a broadcast right? It's a newsletter. So when we talk in our marketing, we always talk about newsletters um, because that's what they're, that word that they're used to. And so that would be my biggest piece of advice is use the language that they know and that they're using every day. That makes sense. And we have one more question. And Angela, I know you've been there. What do we do when we screw up the tech (laughs) and we send out like half an email or we accidentally, you know, it's going to happen. We're going to, so do we, do we man culpa ourselves and be like, whoa, that was all messed up? Or do we just try to sail through it and send the next one and not worry about it? Yeah. I mean, I would just keep it lighthearted. And and like, if you were to send out like half an email, like I would probably follow up and be like, oh my gosh, I was so excited. I hit send too fast or like, you know, like make a, a joke yeah. of it. Um, again, we're all human. We've all done it. I, I, I can't, can't tell you how many mistakes I've made along the way. Um, and just give yourself grace and it's, it's okay. No one is going to, um, judge you or if they are, they're not your people. So, uh, you know, just, I would say scrap them anyway, but, uh, your, your audience, like if you've built that relationship with them, they're not going to care. 
they're going to be like, oh, Jolie, like, what'd you do? You know, <laughs> um, you might even get responses, you know, like replying to that email and hey, that's a good thing, you know, and then just reply back and be like, oh, it's been a day. How's your day going? And use that as an opportunity to further that relationship. Great. Do you that. have a list of um, tips or a worksheet or something that people could walk away with that would help them when they're putting their newsletters together or broadcasts? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the questions I get all the time is like, Hey, this all sounds great, but like, what the heck do I even write in my emails? And, um, so we've put together a free guide, um, what to write in your emails and it gives you 45 plus templates. And I'm going to age myself here, but if you remember ad libs, uh, it's very similar to that where it's Mm -hmm. fill on the blank. Um, but we've given you kind of the, the guidelines of what to write in all different situations of emails. So even an apology email, if you, if you do send something mistakenly, um, we give you kind of that, that jumping off point. And then of course, you you know, with any kind of template, you always want to make sure you're infusing your personality and your voice and tone into that. Um, It's meant for inspiration. Um, If you're really stuck, you know, use it, but we want to make sure that you're putting in your, your brand voice and tone in there. So don't be afraid to, to add your personality into your emails. Um, because right. We want to, we want to connect with other human beings and other people. So make sure that in every email, uh, it sounds like it's coming from you, but yes, we will give you a link to that guide. Um, uh, so that you can download that free guide and, and help you get started with your newsletters. Great. We'll we'll definitely put that in the show notes for everyone. Jenna, where can we follow you, get more information, stay in touch? Yes, please connect with me. I would love for that. I'm on LinkedIn under Jenna Bagley. I'm also on Instagram um, and I'm on Clubhouse. Those are probably the three places I hang out the most. Um, I'm Jenna Bagley on all, uh, all platforms. So definitely connect with me. You can also email me at Jenna B at aweber.com. Perfect. Just let me know that you found me through here. Great. Yeah. Everybody, everyone go email her. She loves email. I love this. Her whole life's email. So she can just like shower you with emails and that's a good day for you. Well, I literally (laughs) check my, my email probably like I'm neurotic, like 15, 20 times a day. So like, I will see your email. I will respond to it. Um, you know, that's why I'm so passionate about email because I think all of us as humans are so conditioned to check our email, like an insane amount of times a day. And that's why it's so important, right? Because everyone checks their email because they've opted in for that information. So might as well um, get in their pocket. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So connect with me on your favorite platform. Great. Well, Jenna, thanks so much for coming on the show today and giving us lots of good tips and things to think about when it comes to connecting with our audience through email. It's been awesome. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Jolie and I hope you love listening as much as we love making this show. If so, tell us by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or share it with a friend. Claim the Stage is a production of Speaker Sisterhood and is produced in the Glitter Closet in Holyoke, Massachusetts. Music is composed by Kelly Vogel of Sound Passage. All right, that does it for us this week. Until next time, stop waiting, start creating. Bye for now.